Hey there, food biz whizzes, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Allie Ball, and I am thrilled to have my fellow food industry consultant, Ainsley Moyer, on our show today. Ainsley and I are going to be chatting about the juicy truth that your product is only one ingredient to a food business's success. And we're going to discuss the multitude of other things that you need to think about as you grow your packaged food business. Plus, we are going to give you information on one of my favorite resources for emerging food brands. So stay tuned. Remember, if you are enjoying these episodes, please come join me in the Food Biz Whiz Facebook group. I'm in there connecting with emerging brands on the daily, and I would love to have the opportunity to get to know you as well. Find our Facebook group linked in today's show notes and click on through. Okay, here we go with today's episode. You're listening to Food Biz Whiz the weekly podcast for everyone in the packaged food industry. Join your host, Allie Ball, to learn how to launch, grow, and scale your business. You'll hear real-life examples from her time as a professional grocery buyer, interviews with CPG experts, and listen in on actual client coaching sessions. Let's get going. This episode is sponsored by the Food and Beverage Business Growth Summit, one of my favorite free online resources for emerging food and beverage brands. The summit returns on September 23rd, 2019, and you can save your spot today by signing up via the link in the show notes. Join me and over 20 other food industry experts as we're interviewed by the one and only Ainsley Moyer. Each interview is recorded and sent straight into your inbox. I can't wait for you to get in on this knowledge. So like I said, sign up today via the link in my show notes, and I'll see you on video later in September. Welcome, Ainsley. I am so happy to have you on the show today. Hey, Ali. So great to be connecting with you on here and connecting with all the other food biz whizzes that are listening in. Thanks. Yeah, you and I go back a while now, and I was I was putting together notes for the show, and I realized that We first got to know each other when I participated in your food and beverage business growth summit in 2018, when I was speaking on getting on retail shelves. And since then, gosh, we've connected in a bunch of different ways. You have been an industry expert on my retail ready online course. I'm going to be a part of your upcoming summit again. Now you're on the podcast. I feel like we've got a lot of great collaboration going. So for those listeners who are just being introduced to you, Ainsley, let me, let me give them a quick lowdown on you, and then I'll have you expand upon it. So Ainsley, you're the founder of the Healthy Food and Beverage Group, where you help food businesses craft a unique and ownable brand so that they can stand out, so that they can sell more, I love that, and so that they can turn customers into hungry advocates. Those were your, your words, and I really, I really love them. So I know you've also written a book, a great book, Branding Beyond Logos. I'll link to that in the show notes. And you, like I said, host the Food and Beverage Business Growth Summit, that online training series for emerging food and bev businesses. You do a lot. I mean, you do a lot around the idea of building great brands in the better for you space. So like I said, I'm happy to have you here, clearly, and welcome to Food Biz Whiz. 
And that was the official bio, but tell me in your own words, Ainsley, how you help clients build their food and bev brands. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for the great intro, Allie. It's it's true. We have gone way back. And, and I love that. And I love the fact that we can always connect on building powerful food businesses. Yeah. And we both speak on different different pieces about this. You are all about getting people on shelves. Yep. And I always help speak pe- speak to people about building a great brand. And the two really go hand in hand so perfectly. And you know, that that's really around everything that I do is how do you build a great brand so that number one, retailers want to list it on shelf. <laughs> yep. And then number two, so that consumers are going to want to pick it up off shelf, whether that be virtual or in the retail store. But if you don't have a great brand, your whole business just doesn't have the same foundation. And I look at it almost like it can be a little bit more of a hobby than a real business sometimes when you don't have that brand, because when you have your brand, you're going to figure out even things you wouldn't even imagine what my pricing should be, what retail stores you should be in and really help you look at your business in a more strategic way, which is what I'm all about. Yeah. I love that. I always say it's, it's challenging when I see food business owners wake up three years later into their business and realize that they've created a very expensive hobby. Yeah. Yes. And we see it all the time, unfortunately, because let's be honest, most food business owners, you're creators and they love to create great food. And so many times it's created out of a need for you know, solving something that you saw in your own household, whether that be, you know, a family member all of a sudden had a food allergy and couldn't enjoy something, or you couldn't just find a really healthy keto cookie or something yes. like that. And, and so it's, uh, it always comes out of kind of that passion point. But with that, sometimes the business side doesn't always get put to the forefront like it should. Yeah. Okay. So that's what we're going to talk about today, right? How, how these businesses start with a passion. They start with a great product, but in reality, that's just one ingredient to success, right? Absolutely. I know it's, it's a little bit of a controversial topic. Um, <laughs> I think, I think a lot of people, we, we sometimes get romanticized about the food taste and how it comes to life. And that is so important. That's a, that's a given in the industry, but I'm excited that we're going to dive into all the other ingredients that really build a successful food brand. Yes. I'm excited too. All right. Kick us, kick us off, take it from the top. So for me, building a successful food business outside of the food, again, that's a given. It really comes down to three key elements. Uh, Number one, this is building a really powerful brand. Number two, it's relationships and that's relationships with your retailers. That's all. That's all I look at selling and marketing is relationship building. So let's say relationship versus either of those and then your numbers. So those are three of the most important things as you're building your food business and everything else kind of trickles into those three overarching buckets I find, but, but yeah, the brand is definitely, um, one of the most important pieces and, and maybe we can jump right into that first, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. So you said, you said you've got these three components to, to 
building a business, which is creating a powerful brand. That's number one. Number two is focusing on the relationship building. We can also call that marketing, but making sure that you know, your brand is getting out there through powerful relationships. And then number three is looking at the numbers using data, I'm sure. Um, Great. Yeah. So let's talk about that first one, building a powerful brand. What is that? Why is it important? Tell me, tell me, tell me why that's, why that's so valuable here. Yeah. So for me is a brand is really the it's the emotional depiction of whatever it is you're selling. People are not really buying your keto cookie. They're buying what it is that that makes them feel. And that can come to life in a whole lot of different ways. That can come to life in terms of very fitness oriented, very self-disciplined. It can come to life as indulgence. Your brand allows it to come to life to spark a specific emotion with a very specific audience. So when you're building your brand, it's really number one, understanding to the core who you want to connect with. And when you do that properly, you can really understand where your product fits into their life and how it delivers them something that they want to feel in their life. That could be You know, I like to look at it on two areas. It's either bringing them some sort of pleasure, so this indulgent moment that they can finally have, or helping them reduce some sort of pain. But your brand is really the, it's the emotion behind why someone, a very specific someone, is going to pick you up. I love that. But I I feel like this can be such a sticking point for people, especially when they're so focused on on the product side of their business, right? They're like, I make, let's use the most ex- the most simple example. I make strawberry jam. Mm-hmm. Why would people connect on an emotional level to my strawberry jam? And I love this because I think that you can get, you can go so many different places with this. So I always tell people you need to connect with your audience on this because what you're trying to figure out as you're building your brand is what does this mean to them? So I'm a really big, big advocate on doing consumer interviews. I think, especially if you are just launching a brand or if you're at the beginning phases, you need to get in front of live people and talk to them about the emotions that this brings them. Yes. Yes. And then it's not a decision just based on, oh, it's another strawberry jam. It's no, this is a strawberry jam that brings me excitement or brings me back to nostalgic moments, Mm -hmm. whatever it may be. But you can start to build a bit of an emotional connection behind it, no matter what the product is, even if it's the most generic. There is a reason why people go to, you know, a Starbucks versus a Dunkin' Donuts because they (laughs) get a different emotion and it's a different sense of identity of who they are when they pick up either of those brands. Oh, I love that. I, so I grew up in new England and (laughs) land of Dunkin' Donuts. (laughs) I, I was not a Dunkin' Donut consumer growing up. That was not really part of my, my day to day. But when I go back to visit my parents, there is something that 
pulls me to the Dunkin' Donuts in the airport. I get off the plane and I go and I have a Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Sometimes I get a donut, sometimes I skip it, but it really, just like you said, Ainsley, it puts me in the mindset of being in New England, of being, you know, back in high school and thinking about that. I don't know that, that nostalgia is really strong for me. Yeah, that's a really, really important one. And I I love the fact that like we can see it start to show up in our lives, right? Yeah. In um, different things like that. And yeah, that comfort that people want to have or that excitement. Like if you are in, let's say if you're walking around, you know, New York City or Hong Kong or something, you are going to want to have probably more of a premium type beverage, right? Yeah. For very different than something homey and, you know, comforting. And that's what a brand does. It provides us that feeling of comfort or of excitement or of adventure. And that's really powerful when you look at that. And, you know, the fact that your brand or your product really delivers so much more than just the food and the nourishing piece that, that you offer with your recipe. Totally. And I, I, I love that it brings us back to that, that core idea of today's podcast where, it's, it's not even the food. It's not the flavor. It's, it's not necessarily the product itself, but it, it is truly that emotional connection that, that ties us to a particular product line, a particular brand. I love that. Do you have, before we move on to the next one, can you tell me, do you have any favorite brand examples that do a really great job at this that you're thinking about right now? Yeah. So one of the brands that I'm seeing a lot of right now that I think does a great job of this. Um, some people may have seen this. It's called moon juice. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> and it's like adaptogen teas Yep. and there's lots of adaptogen teas coming out in the market. If you look at their branding and you look at their names, you know, we have different things like brain dust yep. or power dust, beauty dust, sex dust, all these different things yes. that are a different tea blend, it's very clearly targeted to a millennial kind of woo-woo, if you will, type consumer who is very popular right now. That's definitely very trendy, but it's very clear who is going to buy that. If I saw this in my mother's cupboard, I'd be like, hold on, did you buy this for me? Like, what's going on? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Uh, But I think they do a good job of clearly creating a brand that is a representation of their consumer. Yeah. And if you just check out their, their branding or like even some of those names, probably I'm going to guess our listeners, maybe an image of someone that, you know, came to mind of, Oh my gosh, they would love this. And that's what a really strong brand does. Yes. I picture my friend in LA sprinkling the brain dust all (laughs) over her matcha latte in the mornings. Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> one, of, one of my favorite brands that I, I love watching that's outside of the food industry is Yeti. I think that they have done an incredible job of creating a community and speaking to a consumer that is that outdoorsman or outdoors mm-hmm. woman who loves having all the gear, all the really top of the line gear for their outdoor adventure. I feel like that's a really strong brand that's that I always come back to as an example here. Yeah, they've done a really great job of just creating a community and a movement around 
their product, which is really cool to see. Yeah. Cause at the end of the day, it's a cooler, right? Exactly. <laughs> I, um, I was just camping with my husband and he pulled out his Yeti and I'm like, Oh God, Ian, like I, you know, in a way I was like, Oh, you fell into the Yeti marketing. <laughs> yeah. It's the best. It's so great. It makes my adventure so much better. I'm like, Oh gosh, there's marketing to its core. Um, exactly. Ainsley, I'm going to link Moon Juice and Yeti in the show notes here. So for any of our listeners who are tuning in and not familiar with these brands, they can click on through and see exactly what we're talking about here. Perfect. Okay. So we've talked about this, this building a powerful brand, building a brand that sparks an emotional connection with your target audience. Take me to number two, that idea of the relationship building aspect being so important in building your food business? Yeah. So the relationships, this is really key for everything that you do in your business. Um, and there's really, when I look at relationships, there's two major component of it, components of it. There's the selling and then there's the marketing. Both are really built on relationships because, and I like to use the word relationship because if you start to say, I need to build my marketing plan and what's my marketing message and all of this. Sometimes we get kind of tripped up and forget that we're just trying to build a relationship with someone. Mm. Yeah. And that's the exact same thing with a retailer. When you're going to sell them, you're trying to build a relationship with them. You and the retailer both have the same goal at the end of the day. And Ali, I know you can jump in on this, but you both want to sell more of your great product. Yes, absolutely. I say that all the time. I'm like, if we can all just agree that the end goal is the same, that end goal of higher sales is mm -hmm. the same, how can we create a relationship that that helps us both achieve our goals? Um, that's such a that's such a key foundation to building a brand. I talk about this all the time in retail ready. <laughs> but one of the one of the examples that I like to use, and I'll I'll keep it brief, but when I was a buyer, I would often, you know, I'm looking at category reviews, I'm looking at sales numbers, I'm deciding something to discontinue from the shelf. And let's just say those two slowest selling strawberry jams have the same exact sales numbers. I'm going to cut one of them off my shelf. You better believe that I'm going to cut the one with whom I don't have a relationship, or I'm going to cut the one who seems high maintenance or the one who doesn't have their stuff together, the one who irks me in the slightest bit, you know, so it's, it is so much, it's so it's your success is so dependent on those relationships in order to obviously get on the shelf, but stay on the shelf as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, that's really key because we look at it Sometimes as a food manufacturer, you look at it going in and it's me versus them. Yep. And, and it's not, you need to, you need to help make that buyer's job easier yep. because they have a lot on their plate and they've got a lot going on. And unless you do something to stand out, unless you do something to build that relationship and to show them that you are in there to help them make more money, help them look like a star, help them grow in ways that they want to grow and make their job easier. You just become another, another brand on the shelf and that's not what you want. Totally. And it, you know, I, 
I, I see this all the time. I used to get pitches day in and day out where producers would say, I'm going to keep running with a strawberry jam example, Ainsley, where people would, would get me on the phone and they would say, Hey, my name is Lauren and I make the most delicious strawberry jam. And I would literally be rolling my eyes on the other end of the phone and thinking to myself, like, yeah, sure. You and everybody else, everybody thinks their jam is delicious. Everybody thinks their product is so delicious. And frankly, at the end of the day, it's not about the product, right? No, absolutely. And it's so funny. If this was video, you would have seen me, as you said that, put my head back and roll my (laughs) eyes too. (laughs) Everyone thinks that you have, everyone thinks that you have the greatest product and you should think that as a food owner, you absolutely need to, and you need to communicate that and you need to share that, but also know that everyone else says and thinks the exact same thing. So it's not about your product. What's going to win you getting on shelf is not what your product tastes like. Yeah. How you communicate. This is why my brand is different. This is why you and your shoppers need me on your shelf. This is how much money I'm going to make you. Yeah. Yes. And like those things are going to make a world of a difference. I've gone in to sell products and the buyer has never even tasted the product. Yeah. I, I am. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I was like, should I say this on air? I will say that I have done that as well. I used to bring in product that I never even tasted. Yeah. Yep. Because at the end of the day it goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning about branding. If you have a powerful brand that, and it's going to make the buyer obviously money, but they're looking for, you know, can this make me money? And our consumer is going to want to pick this up. And so if you can communicate that, yes, there is a gap in the market. Your consumers need this. And yes, our packaging and our product and our marketing, everything that we're doing helps satisfy that need then they can take a bet on it because they know that the consumer has never tasted it. Most likely if it's a brand new product either. So they're buying into something else. Right. And I always think about that. You know, I think you're, you're alluding to this, that the shopper picks up your product off the shelf without ever trying your product. Of course, for repeat consumers, and that is very important, and we can talk about that um, as a side tangent. But the when the when shoppers are first being introduced to your product, they're they're tasting with their eyes, right? They're looking at the product on their shelf. They have no idea how it tastes, and they're placing a bet. They're putting it into their shopping basket based off your branding alone, and that's a really important thing to remember. Yeah, absolutely. And then, yeah, I I love that. That's a, that's a really key piece. And then it's like, if you have the great product in terms of the taste, if you really do have the best tasting strawberry jam that this person has had, then then you're going to, you're going to have those repeats, but you need to do things to, you know, connect with the consumer before they ever even pick you up and try you. And then you win the right to get back in the basket. Totally, totally. And it all goes back to that relationship that you build with the buyer in the first place so you can get on the shelf, right? And then that relationship that you're creating with the consumer so they become 
a loyal fan. They become a brand advocate. What did you, what did you call them at the beginning? Ainsley, I think you called them, um, a hungry advocate, hungry advocates. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And and building on that relationship piece, it's like, so you're going to build the relationship with the retailer. So you get on the shelves, which is great. And then you build those advocates through the relationship building with your marketing. Again, when we say marketing, people, sometimes we get hung up on it and we're like, oh, I need to write an ad now, or I need yeah. to write a letter. <laughs> and it's just relationship building. If you know your consumer and if you're building a relationship with them, you want to you want to benefit them and you want to help them and you want to be relevant for them. So all you're doing is building a relationship that's going to make them want to open that email, take advantage of that promotion, you know, like that post that you might have, whatever it may be. But when it's all coming from a place of relationship, recognize that just like the buyer, how you're adding to, you know, their life in a positive way, same thing with the consumer. You're adding something to them. Oh, you gave me a chuckle today or, oh, you gave me, you know, savings or inspiration or a great meal for my family. I love that. And the way, the way you summarized it earlier for me is that you need to be in front of the, in front of people in the right places with the right messaging. I picture it like this, this perfect trifecta, like right product, right brand, right messaging. Yeah, um, absolutely. That wins hearts, right? Yeah. 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 Great. I love this. Okay, cool. So we talked about the brand building. We talked about the relationship building. Let's talk about the one that I think most people ignore. Let's talk about the numbers. Yeah. The numbers are a really big one. And this is where people kind of get, they get tripped up because again, going back a lot of times, food brand owners are creative and you want to create this great product. But if you don't take the upfront time to get your numbers right, and that can be a whole bunch of different things and we can get into that, but let's just talk really simply the most basic upfront. If you don't understand your profitability, if you don't know how much money you're making for each product, you can end up in a situation where you might look at your numbers and recognize I'm not making any money at all. This is, this is a hobby. Yep. And you put so much time and energy and you've gotten so excited about this. And like the worst case scenario is maybe you discover this after you've just landed like a, your biggest account yep. and expanded. And now you're like, oh shoot, I just committed to this price point to this retailer. Yep. And it's so bittersweet because I know I'm not making any money on it. And then you either like going back to the buyer at this point, they're like, hold on, you just sold this in. What do you mean you're giving me a price increase? Um, uh, or you, you, you realize it doesn't make sense and it becomes a really tricky point. So the earlier on in your business, you can get your finger on the numbers. You, you're going to be light years ahead of a lot of other people. And you're just, you're going to feel confident in investing and growing your brand. Oh, yes. You are speaking to my heart here. I see it. (laughs) I see this all the time with my clients. They come into me, you know, year two, year three, year four in their business. They're ready to expand just distribution and they realize they haven't built in that margin into their product from the very beginning. And all of a sudden they can't afford to hire distributors or brokers or sales staff or whatever it is. And it's 
it's such a sticking point in their business. Oh, it's heartbreaking. It really is heartbreaking. Uh, And because people, we get excited about, about the products and I get it. You want to get it out there, but this is at the end of the day, a business's intention is to make money. And it's tough sometimes when you're a small business owner and you know that you started because your heart was in it. And that's a great reason to start. But if you really want to have the biggest impact with your brand, you need to serve all the people, especially and including yourself. Oh, yes. Yes. Because if you, if you are not profitable, how long is your business going to stick around, right? You don't have a business if you're not profitable. Exactly. And so if you, you know, have created this because you see that there are so many, you know, I'm going to use a breakfast, breakfast example, or let's, let's go with the, the jam still. There's, <laughs> there's no low sugar options. And you really want to have that impact on the world and on your community with that. Like, you owe it to yourself and to all of the people that you can impact to make this business as big as it can be. But to make that possible, you need to have your numbers right. And you need to have that profitability piece so that you can grow uh, more confidently. Yeah. Why do you, I'd love your opinion here. Why do you think most people stick their head in the sand around their numbers? Yeah, that's a great question because, you know, I see it a lot. I know you see it a lot. I think it's a, it's a piece that a lot of business owners just weren't taught, especially in the food industry. And it's the challenging part. Like let making the product is the fun part. Doing the social media can be the fun part. Even going to have the selling meetings, those can be the fun part. It's like sitting down and really looking in the mirror and looking at all of those pieces. It's not necessarily fun for everyone. And it's challenging and it's, it's really daunting. And a lot of people just don't know where to start. And I think especially if you don't come from a business background or if you don't come from a food background, you've just never had those tools in your toolbox. So it's completely understandable. But then with that, then you need to go find people that can help you understand those numbers so that you can, you know, add that to your toolbox, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a great point. Then I want to, I want to reiterate that, that just because you are not great at numbers as the business owner, or just because that is not your passion, doesn't mean that you can't find someone who does have that as their own passion, right? There are so many people out there who do love numbers and who love thinking about the profitability of businesses and how to help independent business owners in that capacity. So if you're sitting here listening and you're like, oh shoot, they're speaking my language. They know what I'm, they're on to me. They know I'm not looking at my numbers. There are such great resources out there who can help you become a more stable business um, in this capacity. Yeah. And I love what you said about there's other people out there who, who love doing the numbers because it's absolutely true. And you need to like find those people, partner with those people where you can, because I believe that businesses really succeed when we stick to our zone as zone of magic as much as possible. So if you love the sales piece, 
that's where you should be spending the most energy that you can because that's going to have the biggest impact on your business. And if someone else loves the number piece, well, they're going to be able to do the best that they can there. And it's going to take them a lot less energy, a lot less time. And it's just, it's going to allow your business to run a lot more efficiently. Yeah. Yeah. Ainsley, have you read Michael Hyatt's Free to Focus book? No, I haven't. Oh, I think you would love it. I think you would love it. I'll send it to you and I'll link it in the show notes. But this, this book is really transformed my business based off this whole idea that, that he doesn't use the phrase zone of genius, but it's, that's exactly the concept that we figure out what we're really good at, what comes easily for us, what we're passionate about, and we delegate everything else. And that's when we can really see our business expand in leaps and bounds, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Please send that to me. That sounds totally up my alley. I will. I will. Love it. Okay. So before we keep going, I know we just dropped a big, a big, um, truth on our listeners that they've got to have the numbers in place. So let's take a, let's take a short break and catch our breaths and we'll be right back. If you've been enjoying this interview and all of the knowledge that Ainsley has provided, you are going to love her food and beverage business growth summit coming back on September 23rd. She's pulled together the best talent for building food and beverage brands and compiled us all in a series of free interviews. If you sign up via the link in today's show notes, you'll get access to every single one for free directly in your inbox. Save your seat today by clicking through in the show notes. You are going to get so much out of this summit. Check it out and sign up today. Okay, Ainsley, we are back. We talked about brand building. We talked about relationship building. We talked about numbers. Those are the three pieces that you say are so important to building a business, so much beyond the the product itself. If you were going to focus on one of these things from the beginning, which which would it be? Oof. I so know. I know, right? They're all off script. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for me, it would be the numbers. Because everything else can come afterwards. I don't want to go and sell something that I don't know the numbers behind. I don't want to go and build a brand around something if I don't know the numbers behind it. It's, it's just the fundamental piece. Uh, you can do a little bit of the branding piece up front, like not even full branding, but like some strategic thought in terms of, hmm, do I see an opportunity in the market for a low cost product here, a premium product here, a mid tier, Mm -hmm. and then kind of start to build your pricing around where you see that opportunity. But before you do, do your branding or selling and your numbers, you need to, you need to validate that there's a need in the market and that there's a gap in the market that needs to be solved. And then you build the numbers around that and then you can start to build it up. Yeah. So do you find that the the most successful clients who come to you already have their numbers in place before they start, they start finding, you know, finding your help to be uh, really, really beneficial. So I see a lot of people that still need work on the numbers when they come to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, the ones that we are able to really go full force, they, they have those number pieces figured out. 
But I would say realistically, most don't still. Yeah. And because, uh, yeah, right? Like a lot of businesses don't. And I, I believe that branding is a piece of everything. And so we will go and look at their pricing to say, well, is this the right price point that you're selling, you know, or you're have a suggested retail price to the end consumer. Mm. And then I'll ask them, well, what's your profit on this? Yeah. And sometimes there's a, I don't know, or <laughs> they'll send me something and I'm like, well, did you uh, take into account this and this and this number? And sometimes no. And it's, yeah, it's, you know, it's like we said before, it's heartbreaking and it's really tough conversation to have. Yeah. Um, but it, it's a very sobering conversation that I suggest everyone dig into as quickly as possible. Yeah. And it's also solvable. You know, totally. it's totally solvable. Right. And I always think with, with my clients who come to me, who don't have the numbers in place, you can see it weighing on their shoulders. You know, that they are wondering about their profitability. They, you know, they're wondering, you know, what their marketing budget could be. You know, they're wondering if they could afford to do X, Y, and Z. And once they have a better sense of their numbers, and once they have that have that confidence in at least knowing whether or not they're making money. I'm not saying that they're going to love their numbers, but at least they know that whole, that huge weight has been lifted from their shoulders. Yeah, 100%. And, and, you know, it goes back to like your numbers as a whole is your profitability, but it's also, you know, what are you making as a return from every dollar that you spend in marketing, because even knowing those numbers and then, you know, your profitability, if you know that every dollar that you spend doing demos brings you $5 back, you should be doing demos all weekend long, like all day, every day, (laughs) but you need to track and you need to look at the numbers. And I definitely see this as an area of opportunity for, I would say the majority of food businesses out there they don't look at the numbers. They say yes to all the different marketing things, say yes to every single retailer. And without knowing those numbers, it becomes really, really tricky. So once you do know them, it feels so good because you can say, nope, I don't want to do demos because they don't give me a return. Yes, I want to do more email marketing because I know that gives me a return or whatever it may be. Yeah powering for you. Yeah. It's making a decision based off data rather than just a gut, a gut feeling, right? Yeah, totally. But I, I think I, I'd like to, I want to pause for, or I want to, I want to backtrack for a moment and say mm-hmm. that the, one of the things that I see food businesses struggle with is this idea, this huge idea that there are so many moving parts of starting a food business and so many things that they need to take into consideration. I mean, we touched on three today, the building, the brand building, the relationship building, the marketing, the numbers, but there are so many different components of building a successful business that it can feel really daunting to wrap your head around, right? Absolutely. And there is, there's so much going on. Like you are, you are running a business with lots of moving parts. You have so many suppliers even that you need to deal with. It's a lot to take on for sure. And, and I think that's where you need to just be really committed and really 
I don't want to say in love with what you're doing because Mm -hmm. that can get you into trouble sometimes too, because then sometimes you turn a blind eye to things, Yeah, but you need to be really committed to the success of it and excited by it because there's a lot. And so going back to what we talked about before, even where you can delegate things out that can help you huge. And if that's not a possibility, learning how to say yes and no, the numbers will empower you to do that. And just learning what you don't know, especially if you've never run a food business before, there's lots you don't know. And that's okay. (laughs) Yes. I think again, you, yeah, you're hitting the nail on the head here. And I think that this is the perfect time for me to ask you to talk about the summit, because again, it's one of my favorite, totally free resources for emerging food and beverage brands that you do annually with huge, huge success. So can you tell us a little bit more about the summit and what we can expect from it? Yeah. So exactly like we were just talking about, there are so many different areas of running a food business. And that is really why I hosted this event. So it's the Food and Beverage Business Growth Summit. And it's a seven-day, completely free event where we dive into seven of the key areas of building your food brand. So we have a whole day with four (laughs) different speakers talking about your numbers. Um, We have, you know, Ali, you are having a really, really great chat on the summit about how to make trade shows work for you. Uh, and we talk about some other different marketing channels that you can use as well to grow your brand. And we have a full day on branding. And I love this event because there is so much information out there and it's tough to get your hands on it all. Yeah. We have just, there's a lot of really, really great experts in the space like yourself, Ali, that are just so generous with the information and are genuinely committed to helping food businesses grow. So put on the event. It's seven days. um, So you can tune in for absolutely free. There's between two and five videos each day between September 23rd to September 29th. And yeah, you can tune in every day to get these insights. They're about 20 to 50 minutes, the video interviews. And it's just, it's full of all this info that everyone needs to know. It really is. It's almost like speed dating for brands. I I feel like it's these, you know, last year when I, you know, tuned in every single, every single video, I got some sort of nugget from, from them. It was so, oh gosh, it was so great. I felt so, um, so honored to be a part of it last time. And then certainly of course this time as well. And I just, I love how you're giving brands access to this information. Um, and I think we didn't make this clear. So I I do want to reiterate this, that it's a virtual summit, right? So people tune in from their computers. Um, all of the videos have been recorded. So people watch them on their own time. Um, so there's no, you know, there's no in-person meetup yet for this, for this. summit. Yeah. So you can access it from anywhere. All the videos are available for 24 hours. There's, there's so much guys, there's 23 different interviews. So if I were to make that available on day one, no one's going to get through that all of unless you don't have anything else that you can do. Um, which I know if you're running a business, you've got lots. So it's dripped out every single day. So you, Make sure to tune into the days that make sense for you. And like Ali said, every day there is 
something that you're going to get from every single speaker. So I really encourage to check out them all. Even if you think, oh, I've kind of, I've kind of got this piece figured out, you know, one nugget of information can change the projection of your business and really help it grow to become that dream food business that you're really working towards. So Uh, I'm all about getting the great info that you can from great experts that are already, you know, there or already helping people do that. Yeah, totally. I, uh, I'm so excited for it. So I'm going to link that, that summit, um, the summit link in our show notes here, obviously Ainsley, I'll shout it out on social media and I'm, I'll send it to my mailing list. I'm so, I'm so excited to put this information in people's hands. So I love, I loved our interview. I'm just saying (laughs) definitely tune into that one. Um, (laughs) For sure. I know that was a good one. Great content. And you know, all your listeners know, and anyone part of retail ready knows that you just share such great actionable insights. And so, yeah, I I'm thrilled. I loved our interview. It was great. Uh, thank you. I, I appreciate it. And I, gosh, I love this interview. I, I am sure our listeners could hear that you and I could chat about these things all day long. Um, and I'm, (laughs) Gosh, I'm so grateful that you came on here, Ainsley, and and shared really wonderful information. So tell me, I know people are going to want to stay in touch with you beyond the summit. Like I said, I'll link the summit info in the show notes, but where else can people find you? Yeah. So outside of the summit, you can find me on Instagram at Ainsley Moyer, and you can visit my website, healthyfoodandbeveragegroup.com. And I'm on Facebook as well at um, Ainsley Moyer and same on LinkedIn. Yeah. You're, you're in, you're on all the platforms. I love it. (laughs) Yes. I will make sure to link all those in the show notes as well. I love following you on Instagram. I think you do a really fantastic job with your stories over there. They're again, always giving me little nuggets of, of inspiration as well. So, all right, Ainsley, thank you again so much for your time today. I am psyched for the summit. I I can't wait to share that with our audience and I hope you enjoy the rest of your afternoon. You too. Thanks, Sally. And thanks for having me on and just having this great food conversation with everyone. Oh, my pleasure. All right, my whizzes. Thank you again for joining me on today's episodes with Ainsley. I love her perspective and I love that important reminder that she gave us today that our business is so much more than our delicious products. That idea that without without all of the other aspects that go into building your brand and your company, we simply don't have a business. Like I said, she dropped some really great knowledge today, and I'm sure that you are going to find so much value in her upcoming summit. Don't forget, you can register today actually for free and get all those interviews delivered straight into your inbox when it goes live on September 23rd. Okay, I will link that summit info in our show notes, so be sure to check that out. From there, like I said, come back on over to our Food Biz Whiz Facebook group to continue the conversation. We have such a fantastic community of emerging food brands over there, and I would love to connect with you as well. Find that link in the show notes, and I will see you in the Food Biz Whiz group soon. I'll be back next week with another episode, and until then, stay busy.
Thank you for listening to Food Biz Wiz, the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe so you never miss a beat. Hungry for more? Check out www.foodbizwiz.com. That's food, B-I-Z-W-I-Z.com for detailed show notes from all episodes. Thanks again for tuning in and stay busy.